You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. We are on week seven of our series entitled uh, Moving Forward. And last week, uh, we had uh, Emmon Delentino preach the word. How many of you appreciate Emmon? Okay, so you'll see him again. Okay, so you'll see him again here. So we're going to be having a schedule together with, uh, with Angela there. So, But anyway, um, we are in this series, and this is uh, basically we are looking at different places in the New Testament uh, to see what discipleship is like. And discipleship actually, uh, in, here in Victory, you always hear this, that discipleship is basically relationship, you know. Discipleship is all about relationship, and it's relationship on three areas, a relationship with God, relationship with God's people, and relationship with lost people or the world, okay? And so uh, here in our series, uh, this is basically moving forward, um, working on the idea of us growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's growing through discipleship, okay? And in the past, uh, it, we've been looking at, uh, these are the topics, and we've been looking at, at um, these three areas of relationship in, in discipleship, the relationship with God, with, with God's people, and with lost people. And so, uh, as Emmon mentioned last week, um, these are topics that we've been talking about. We are on the seventh week. So the first three weeks, we looked at uh, basically some areas of discipleship that deal with our relationship with God. Okay, and then secondly, uh, the, the second batch, the next three, we, we looked at um, areas uh, regarding our relationship with the lost people, okay? Um, basically preaching the gospel to them, building relationship with them so that they can get to know Jesus uh, through us, okay? And then the last three, we will be looking at um, relationship with, with God's people, Okay, so we grow in our relationship with Jesus as we are part of his community. Okay, so if Jesus just wanted us to have just a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him without the church, then, then he did not have to build his church. Okay, but every believer in Christ, for you to grow, it is imperative, it is important. And Jesus deemed it necessary for all of believers to be part of his family, of his community, okay, which is called the church, okay, he's here on the earth, okay, so the body of believers, it's not the building, it's the body of believers, so look at the, look at the people around you, so that's the church, all of us here, all the body of believers gathered together, we are the church, okay, the word church uh, in the Greek is ekklesia, which means the, the called out ones, so it's, it never referred to a building, Okay, it referred to the group of people. All right, so that's what we're looking at. And so today we will be looking at the seventh one. And we're, we will be talking about church community. And we will be focusing on the book of Acts chapter 2. And with that, I'd like to request everyone to please stand. <clears throat> By the way, for those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Neil Bernardino. And I'm the pastor of the church. And again, welcome. All right, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read from verses 42 up to verse 47, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we, in, in this passage we can see a description of uh, what a spirit-filled and a spirit-led church is all about. And I pray as we, as we look at this, uh, this short description, Lord, I pray that we would also live, live these truths in our lives. Lord, that this church may be characterized as such according to what we see here. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank you. We commit this sermon to you. And I pray that you would speak to your people. Um, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our hearts and eyes that we may see the truth that you're teaching us today, that we may live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may all take your seats. <clears throat> so our, <clears throat> our passage today <clears throat> actually follows certain events in Acts chapter 2. So this is, this is basically the last few verses of the second chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, it follows the outpouring of the, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, before Jesus, after Jesus was uh, resurrected and before he ascended to heaven, <clears throat> Jesus gave them the command, don't leave the city yet until you've been clothed with power from on high, until you're given with the promise of, with the promise of the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, who will be with you. And in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascended, he said, uh, wait, stay in the city and wait for the gift of the Father's promise. For you, uh, you, will be, uh, you will receive power. In Acts 1.8, it says, there, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus <clears throat> Um, you know, left them and he ascended to heaven. And while they were there, the disciples one day, uh, basically um, seven weeks after, after Jesus, uh, after the Passover, after Jesus was uh, resurrected, they were in a certain house. The believers all together, they were praying. They were together. They were in one accord. They were, um, they were praying and worshiping. And suddenly the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them as promised by Jesus and all of them were filled by the Holy Spirit. They heard a, the sound of the great rushing wind. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire lighting upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that was that they spoke in different kinds of tongues in languages that they never learned before. But they were speaking fluently. And they all went out of the house praising God in those different languages. Now, during that day was the day of Pentecost. It was, um, the, uh, it was the end of the Feast of Weeks. And during the day of Pentecost, people from the Jews from all over the known world at the time who were, out, who were living out all over the different nations, this is, Pentecost is one of those feasts that they would come to Jerusalem as a pilgrimage. 
and, and to be with God's people and to be with God's presence. So there were Jews from all over the different nations there who spoke the different languages from the, from the, the nations that they came from. And they heard these disciples speaking these languages. And they're like, what happened here? Uh, I mean, these are obviously Galileans. But how come they speak the languages that we speak in the nations we live in? And then they were marveling at that, and they, said they probably thought they were drunk. You know, they, they, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. How can they do this? They're just probably drunk, but, you know, they, they can't explain it. They couldn't explain it. The best thing they could come up with was that they're probably drunk. Now, I mean, how many of you were drunk before? Don't raise your hand. You've experienced this. Maybe you're drunk today. <laughs> right here. Uh, you were drunk and you spoke a different language fluently. I mean, have you, how many of you experienced that? Don't raise your hand. Okay. I mean, I don't know. And then Peter stood up and said, we are not drunk as you suppose. But what you're seeing is actually prophesied in our scriptures. And then he began preaching. So Peter preached about Jesus Christ. This was the promise, uh, the promise of the Father where he, the Spirit of God will be poured out upon all flesh. And here... It's, it's through Jesus Christ. So the, the sacrifice of Jesus brought, you know, brought forward you know, this promise of God filling the people with the Holy Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter stood up and preached to the people his first, very, very first official sermon, okay, which was impromptu. He didn't have the, these notes. He didn't have these uh, teaching aids, okay? <clears throat> He just spoke from his heart. He preached. The people were convicted. And, the, and the, the people who heard the message said, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins and receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> the pe people believed that day. And it says there that, uh, you know, there were about 3,000 people who believed and were baptized and who got added to their number that day. Can you imagine? How, how many of you would say that was anointed preaching? You know, the Spirit of God anointed Peter to proclaim the gospel. 3,000 were added. Church growth. Day one of the church. I mean, and you have 3,000 people responding to, the, to the, what we call now as the altar call. You know, and they got baptized. So that was the, and it's now the birth of the church. So the church was growing, and the Bible says, the Lord added to their number every day. So the church community, the, the community of believers, it was growing. And so now we come here to this passage that we have here, which is actually just, a, it, it is a description of what the early church was like. And you see, after following all these events that I just laid out to you, the Spirit of God came upon the believers and actually came upon the church. So the church was birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see here in the passage we read, verses 42 and 47 of Acts 2, we see a description of a church that is both Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. And as we, as the community of believers, are filled and led by the Spirit, certain characteristics will be evident. 
that is in the church was was unique. It was different. It was something that was that was uh, never experienced before. And there was such a great community there that there was a unity. There was a oneness. There was a a, a brotherhood, a camaraderie. Call it whatever you want. But there was a connection, and they knew this is a the new this is the new people of God. And the and the New Testament speaks of the church is basically the new the new people of God in the new covenant. Okay, so <clears throat> my seminary professor said this: these final verses that we read, the final verses of Acts two, um, provide an insight into the effect of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. Okay, um, so our passage here <clears throat> basically. Again, gives descriptions of the early church as empowered, filled, and led by the Holy Spirit. And the, these are some of the characteristics, okay, <clears throat> of, of the early church. Wow, we, <clears throat> what's happening here? <laughs> Want me to dance now? <laughs> All right, let's look at some of these characteristics now. There are 10 characteristics that we just read through, characteristics of the early church, and that give, th those characteristics give us insight on how we grow, not just as individuals, but as a church, as a faith community, as a community of believers. How do we grow in God? How we grow in, in, in our, grow in our, um, you know, in our, in our purpose as the community of believers, okay? So, and these 10 characteristics are categorized into these three things. First, gates, they're characterized, um, they, they, we have the essential characteristics, which in verses, uh, you know, that's Acts, that's verse 42. Verse 42 speaks of the essential characteristics of the church that, that speak of the devotional and worship life of the church. These are essentials in the life of the early church. And it sh these should be essentials in our life as a church as well. The next five, okay, the next five characteristics deal with the, the illustrative characteristics that basically highlight the grace of God working in the church to produce this authentic living community. Okay, and the last characteristic, not the only one, okay, it speaks of the mission of God, which is actually the missional aspect of the church's life, okay? So you see here we have the essential characteristics, the illustrative, it illustrates the grace of God at work in the church, and the missional uh, aspect of the life of the church. So, and these are the devotion, their devotions, their, their, their community, and their mission, Okay. So, <clears throat> let's look at each one. <clears throat> um, first, <clears throat> let's, look at the let's look at the devotion aspect. Okay, so <clears throat> the first one is devotion, and, and we see here in, in verse 42, and they devoted themselves, they gave themselves, they committed to, okay, they gave of themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So we see four here, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
simply because these apostles were with Jesus Christ and they, they were witnesses of his, of his life, of his ministry, of his miracles, of his, um, of his, of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They were witnesses of all these things. And they had been with Jesus. And also, they were entrusted by the Lord with the message of the gospel. To proclaim that message in Jerusalem and to the, up to the ends of the earth. So they committed to the apostles' teaching. And basically, it's this word. Now, at this point, there was no New Testament yet that was written. So the scriptures that they had is what we call today as the Old Testament. But to them, they did not call it the Old Testament. They just called it their scriptures. Okay, they referred to it as the, the Torah. Okay, so <clears throat> the law and the prophets, the scriptures. And basically, Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of everything that the, what we call the Old Testament now prophesied and pointed to. He was the promised Messiah. And so he, the apostles were preaching Jesus and his word. <clears throat> okay? And then they committed to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. <clears throat> okay? Uh, what is fellowship? Two fellows in a ship. <clears throat> you know, fellowship simply means shared life. And we're going to be talking about shared life in week, number, week nine the last uh, Sunday of this sermon series, <clears throat> um, two weeks from now. Shared life. It's the shared life between uh, the people as they share their lives with God. Okay? So it's a shared life with God and with God's people. And they devoted themselves to that. And, <clears throat> and uh, again, my, my seminary professor in his book, he attests that it is through the gift of the Spirit that they are able to share together in God's life, and thus they are able to have fellowship with one another. You see, <clears throat> we have a lot of, uh, <clears throat> we have a lot of um, groups out there, um, you know, so social clubs, um, organizations, and uh, even teams. They, they, they call themselves a brotherhood, and there's a brotherhood that experience. But here, what unites the people is actually accomplished through the power of the Spirit. Can you imagine different types of people from different backgrounds, different preferences from different social classes come together and see each other as brothers and sisters and as equals, and those social barriers are non-existent. That is only made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the community of believers, the body of Christ, okay? <clears throat> and lastly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the prayers, okay? Which are not just expressions of their fellowship, okay? But these are expressions of their worship unto God as well. So these are essential characteristics. Do we have this as a church? Are we devoted to God's word? Are we devoted to Jesus and his word? Are we devoted to, uh, to, the, to the shared life that our church shares? 
Or are we just attending the church here? Do we just warm that seat every Sunday? Are we committed to basically the, the worship aspect? Breaking bread and prayer speaks of, you know, speaks of the, 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 you know, the worship element. We, ha- we broke bread this morning okay, through, the, through, through communion. Again, communion is not just the, the communion act that we do here on Sunday. It's also, communion means basically, you know, us coming together. We have a common unity. Okay, so, and we share lives together, and then we pray for one another. So that speaks of the worship aspect. Are we committed to these things? Are we devoted to these things? <clears throat> the second group of characteristics that, so these speaks of devotion. The second group <clears throat> there you go. So, is community. So let me let me control it. <clears throat> so community. Okay. So <clears throat> the second group is community. These again, these are characteristics that are that illustrate the grace of God at work in the lives of the believers. Okay, the grace of God at work in your lives. How many of you sense God's grace working in your life? You sense it. You know it. It's at work. And that's why I will always wonder. Sometimes you go, you know what? It's really only by the grace of God that I'm here. Because if it were not for the grace of God, I wouldn't be hanging out with you. Or I, you, know, you wouldn't be hanging out with some of these people. Okay? And some of you, do I really have to... Be, I mean, do we really have to connect with that person? You know, let me tell you this. You better get used to it. Because if you don't, <laughs> when we get to eternity, in, in the, you're going to be with that person forever. <laughs> For all eternity. Okay, so better get used to it. I'm just kidding, of course. All these are because of our shortcomings as, as uh, sinful people. We are still being perfected anyway, so... So the community, illustrative aspect. So the grace of God is at work to produce and to build this community. Verses 43 and 40 through 47 shows that. Uh, and awe came upon every soul. They were awed by what's happening through this community. And many wonders and signs, signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, miracles were taking place. Miracles, signs, and wonders. These were common things happening in the community of God in the early church. And then here, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were, basically there was no needy person among them. Anyone who had need, they shared. They shared to meet, to, you know, to meet those needs. And it's only, again, by the work of the Spirit that this will happen in a group of people. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. Do you need it? All of a sudden, this community, they were no longer attached to their stuff. They were no longer attached to their material things or material possessions. They saw now the community as something that is far more valuable, far of far greater value than the stuff that they have. And that they saw, 
from a new perspective that life is not about building your kingdom, it's, but it's you know, enjoying life with, with God and with His people and being able to be a channel of His blessing to those in need. In verse 46, <clears throat> And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. <clears throat> it says in the NIV, um, And daily, and they met together daily in the temple courts and in their homes. Okay, so coming together, meeting together, relating, interacting, that is part of the dynamic of the church, of the community of God. I remember going to church where, you know, before I came to Christ, before I became a follower of Jesus, I attended church just to tick off that responsibility so I won't feel guilty for the rest of the week. Especially if I've been, if I partied hard the, the, the night before. <laughs> I better attend church, okay, at least not at appease my guilt. But I didn't have any relation, relationship with anyone. I usually st just stayed at the back and not connected with any, any person. Or we were at the back with my friends because we just wanted to look cool. All the cool dudes attended church at the back. Who, and they semi-listened. You know, they semi-listened to the sermon. And that, to them, that's the coolest thing, you know. They check out, check people out. See, but if you have seen Jesus, and if you've seen his truth, you, will, you would want to be part of this community. You would want to meet. That's why we have victory groups. This is great. I love this. But, the, you know, the, the avenue where we can develop authentic, genuine relationships is through the smaller groups, the smaller communities that make up this big community. Okay? And that's why I encourage you to, to be part of some of, that's of the small, the, these victory groups. This is part of your growth as a disciple. As you follow Jesus, you'll realize somebody's walking along with you. Where are you going? I'm following Jesus. I'm following him too. So you see, you follow Jesus with others. You can walk together. Come on now. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. This is so true in our victory groups, particularly in the victory groups of, among the married couples. I mean, they do it in their homes. I mean, like, there's a feast. What's, what's the occasion? Nothing. It's victory group. We just have, I mean, I don't, we didn't mandate that. We didn't tell the victory group leaders to serve food. We just told them, you know, if you could open up your homes to, to you know, to be the venue for, their, for, for uh, our, the victory group meetings, that'll, for discipleship, that would be great. It's just their generosity to bring food. And people who come, they also bring food. What's with all this food? Well, probably we're, we're doing this intuitively. <laughs> we, we receive food with glad and generous hearts. And we, they praise God. And they enjoy the favor of all, of all the people. The favor of the people around them, those who are not in the community. So, but this is the early stages, of course. As, as, as we look at the history of the church, it, it went from favor to persecution. Okay, so but here in the early stages, they enjoyed favor. 
So communion, basically communion is participation. That's what Angela referred to that a while ago. See, we participate. We take part. We, you know, we join ourselves together in this act of remembering. So communion is participation in the life of Jesus and in the life of his church. It's shared life, okay? Everybody say shared life. So if your notion of church is just attending here every Sunday, but you don't have any connections, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. And, and please don't wait for people. I've been coming here for two weeks already. No one's approaching me. You know what? We're growing, and we're not mind readers. Sometimes we may approach you. Sometimes it just happens. For me, I mean, talking about being ignored, I, I have stories of being ignored. To the point that I've been a, I'm already a pastor, I was still being ignored. I'm like, what? What's the deal here? You know? <laughs> get over it. Get into, get yourself into the life of God and the life of His community. Participate. Okay? <clears throat> and there was such a great, I mean, like, there's such a great, you know, when I came to know the Lord, you know, it was uh, in, my, in, in the room of my parents. And I got so excited. I met, I met Jesus for the first time. And it seems like I'm understanding now what it means to live and what it means to worship Him. I don't know. I'm going to read my Bible. And, and so I was carrying my Bible every day in school. And then, uh, so, and then a certain friend of mine was part of our political party in school. Saw that I was carrying a Bible. And so she invited me to, uh, for lunch. I said, let's go. And after, while we were having lunch, I was telling her about what my experience. You know what? I had this supernatural or spiritual experience. Yeah, I, I felt like now Jesus is living inside me. I can't explain it. And, and you know, I gave my life to him. And now I'm, I can't stop reading this Bible. And she said, you know what? I had the same experience. And I go, what? <clears throat> of course, I didn't do it that way. So <clears throat> I just want to be relatable to the times. Okay? What? So, so I said, <laughs> I said, what? You, you did? Yes. And so she, share, she shared her, her testimony. I figured out that was a testimony now. So, I, so she, was, she shared her testimony. It's like, man, that is awesome. What, what happened to you? So she, she told me about the church, and she got plugged in, and now she has authentic relationship. I said, I like that. That's what I want. And so she introduced me to her friends from church who were in school. And uh, let me show you a picture. <clears throat> There you go. This is our group. So that's me. Guess who this is? <laughs> that's Joel, the, the guy who was uh, playing bass and leading the worship a while ago. Where, where's Joel? Okay, there you go. Joel's here. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is our college group. Okay, so I got added to this group. These are wonderful people. This, this is one of my, my, my closest friends. He's Pastor Jonas Bernalis now. He's a pastor now. This is, he's a pastor now. This is the one who discipled me in the early days. He's now Bishop Jure Mora. Uh, he's, he's, he's one of the bishops of victory in the Philippines now. So and I got added to this group, and I was like, can I just be with you guys 24-7? I mean, I was like that. And I saw something awesome in them like, that I didn't see in my group of friends. That's why I found myself after my classes, instead of going to my 
my, my, you know, my usual set of friends, I would go to this, this place. I don't know if it's still there. We call it the gazebo. It's the gazebo, but, you know, everybody knew that is where the people from Victory, don't go there, the people from Victory are there. So, so why, why? Those guys are weird. What? what weird? I'm one of them. I'm not weird. They're not weird. They're awesome. Because they've seen something that the world has not seen. And I'm so glad to be part of that. And what I'm enjoying is the fellowship of the believers. And you know what? <clears throat> this guy, I, oh, where is he? Uh, there. I mean, we, uh, we call him Snaker because his last name in Tagalog is Mangahas. So we call him Snaker. So, <clears throat> so anyway, he's a, he's a businessman now, but he loves the Lord. He was a missionary before. She is, uh, she is married to, to, um, to the, finance man of, you know, the, the finance officer of our Bethel World Outreach Church in Nashville. Um, what else? Uh, so she was a missionary once, and so, and he's he's pastor in Philadelphia. So we are, and she's pastor's wife right there. So, I mean, this is awesome. This this was an awesome group, and this goes back into the into the into the into the nineties, late nineties. Oh no, uh, late eighties. There you go. Thank you, Danny, because I met Danny in the 80s right there. So. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, and you know what I experienced there? Let me sh share it to you. This is one of the, the many places in Scripture where it basically it uh, articulates what I was feeling, what I was experiencing. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we were united, not by our social class, not by our ethnicities, not by our, um, you know, uh, whatever social barrier you have. We were united because of Jesus Christ. And the power of His Spirit. And we experienced the life of Christ together. That's why when I was down, Joe, you know, Joe was the one who discipled me at first. And he explained the gospel to me. He preached the gospel to me. I said, now I understand why Jesus had to die on the cross. Now I understand why I need to repent. Now I understand why I need a Savior. The gospel was presented to me by Joe. And now I understand it. And we share that baptism we share. So you see, it is impossible for you to be a follower of Christ, to claim for you to be a follower of Christ without being part of His community. That's why the church or the community is called the body of Christ. You can't partake of Christ when you are not part of His body. Does that make sense? And lastly, <clears throat> It's the mission, the divine action characteristic. There's only one uh, characteristic in this category. It speaks of the mission. It's in, it's in verse 47, the second part of it. I highlighted it for you. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is the characteristic that 
We don't do. It's something the Lord does. It's something the Lord did for them. Okay? Why? Uh, Jesus himself said it. How many of you think, you know, we're going to soon, soon we're going to be planting our second congregation in San Jose. Victory San Jose. Okay? <clears throat> we want the Lord to lead us through that. We, want, we don't want to go ahead of him. But we don't also want to lag behind. We just want to take it step by step. But we want to make sure that we're following the Spirit of God in His leading for us to plant San Jose. Okay, so if we do plant Victory San Jose, how many of you would be part of that church? You see? Wave your hand if you're going to be part of the San Jose church. Okay. There you go. Great. The Lord added to their number that day. Look, those who were being saved, not just... Not just those who want to join. Oh, can I join? You look cool. No, those were being saved. Those were becoming his, his, his children. Okay? And um, G, we, as we plant churches, we are not the builders of the church. We are the materials. We are the, we are the materials. Jesus is the builder of his church. He said that in, in Matthew 16. He said to Peter, you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church. The problem in many, churches, in many churches today is that they think they are the ones building the church. But it's Jesus who builds the church. Jesus' job is to build the church. Our job is to make disciples. And as we make disciples, we produce the bricks, the living stones that Jesus uses to build his church. Okay? And as it's Jesus, we want this church to grow. You see, it's God who makes things grow. We do our part, but growth and increase is something God does. And you see, the church grew as the people were, you know, focusing on the right priorities, as they were devoted to the right things, and they were expressing their devotion in their relationship with God's people and with the world. And you see, as we do that, God will add to our number daily. As we become more and more conformed to the image of Christ, as we become more and more, you know, if we, as we reflect Him more and more in our discipleship, as we become Christ-like in our character, you see, that's the type of person, disciple Jesus wants to replicate. That's why He told us to make disciples. But we can't, be, make, we can't make disciples if we are not disciples ourselves. And for us to be disciples, it, part of it is to be with these people. Look at the people around you. To relate with these people, whether you like it or not. So as we conclude, <clears throat> as we look at the early church, you know, it seemed, again, we have the devotional, uh, you know, the, sorry, the essential characteristics we have the illustrative characteristics, and we have uh, the missional characteristic. Devotional, um, uh, communion, devotion, communion, and mission. It seems that the illustrative one, the illustrative char- characteristics, okay, are expressions of the devotional characteristics. The more people are engaged in their devotion to Christ, and to his word, and to the worship of of God, the easier it will be for us to express that life, that devotion to to others. 
the easier it will be for us to love. As we love God, the great commandment is this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, a new command I give you. You know, love one another as I have loved you. The more we understand and know and experience the love of God, the more we can express it to our brethren, to our, the community of believers, and also to the world. And see, this is the missional aspect. You see, God adds as we are faithful in, our, in those characteristics and in our mission. Okay, part of us being disciples is making disciples. So we are witnesses. You see these characteristics, the second category, these are expressions or overflows of the devotion that the church had. As the early church was faithful in living out these essential characteristics of worship and grace, it was the Lord who brought the growth. You want to see this church grow? Let's love God with all our hearts, and let's love one another, and let's reach out to the world with His love. That's how He adds people to the church. Amen? You see, the church's growing commitment to their devotions find expression in their growing commitment to their, the community believers, enabling, enabling them, listen to me, enabling them not to do church. We can easily do church. But the Spirit of God enables us not to do church, but to be the church. Be the church that, that is a light to the world. Okay, we can be the church. And God makes us grow into our purpose as a transformed and a transforming community into the world. Amen? So I'd like, to, <clears throat> I'd like to go to 1 Peter. And let's all stand right now. I'd like to read this and then I'll leave you with my main thought here. <clears throat> First, 1 Peter 2 verse 5 says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are the living stones. We are being built as a holy temple, a spiritual house. We are now the house of God. We are now the temple of God where the Spirit of God dwells, where God himself dwells. And the good thing with this temple is this. We had the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and we had the temple of Solomon where the presence of God filled those places, those buildings, and it was manifested, and it was so evident that the presence of God was there. Because the Shekinah glory of God was manifesting. This temple is no longer fixed in a geographic location. As the church grows, so does the temple of God. And we're all over the world. We're bringing the presence. No longer will people go to a limited physical geographic temple. But it's now the temple of God spreading all over the world. That's why the Bible says, <clears throat> and the earth shall be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And Jesus said, the greatest sign of the end of times 
is that this message of the gospel will be preached to all nations. All nations. We have a mission, folks. And as we go to our mission, we are, we can't go on mission if we're not authentic in our relationships with one another. And that's the product of the Holy Spirit here. As we give ourselves to God and to His purpose, He unites us. He makes us a community, a church community. That's why we're committed to this. It's, it's, it's not because of victory. It's because of Jesus. He placed you here. Participate here. Commit yourself to God and to His purpose in His people. Amen? As we end, I'd like to leave you with this. The church grows in devotion, communion, and mission. The church. Let's take it to a personal level. Are we personally growing in our devotion to God and His Word, in our worship of Him? Are we growing in our communion with Him and with God's people? And are we growing in our mission, inherent to every believer? See, if you're a believer, whether you like it or not, you are, you're, you've been drafted into His mission. You are part of His mission. Are we growing? Are we moving forward with Jesus in our growth towards these things? So that's the question. Are we participating in growing in God's community? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. Right now we ask that your Holy Spirit would touch us. Lord, if there be people here who are wandering, they've been wandering all their lives because of a false concept of what church is, I pray that you would open their eyes today, that you would enable them to see the work of grace, the work of the Spirit in God's community. <clears throat> and Lord, help them to see it, help them to desire it, and help them to participate in it. Lord, that we would participate and grow in all that you're doing in, 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 in your community. And as we, as individually, as living stones, as we grow in our devotion and our worship and our commitment to you and our relationship with you and with others and in our mission, Lord, we come together with others who have the same thing. We have one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit working in us. Jesus, God, you are the bond. You are the one who binds us together. You are our unity. And Lord Jesus, may we be faithful as individual believers, as living stones, and also corporately as a church. Lord, to, exp Lord, to express the manifold grace of God as we relate with your people and with others who do not know you. And help us to be grounded in, in our devotions. And for those people who have turned away they've been they've been following you they've been part of the, of the community but they left thinking that by doing so they can pursue their own life but now they know they know and they're here today they're here today because they know that all by all by themselves they will not make it because you've you deemed it necessary for all of us to grow together in you so, Lord, today I pray that you would reach out to that person 
Lord, send one of us, Lord, to leave the 99 and go for that one and bring that person back to the fold. Lord, help us to grow in this community. And only, we are better together. We're not better individually. We're better together. And we will find our individual purpose connected to the purpose of your community of faith, your church. And Father, I pray, those you are touching right now, I pray that they would say, Lord, what can we do? Holy Spirit, lead us. How can we be, express your love to your people? How can I serve in this church? How can I serve you and your people in this church? And also let them say, Lord, how can I you know, declare your love to the world? Use me, Lord. Hear my, send me. Lord, we hear your heartbeat, your beating. Lord, your heartbeat is for the lost. And you're raising up a people so that the lost can be brought into your kingdom. Lord, right now, raise us up. And we all say here, Lord, here we are. Use us. If you want that, if you're saying, here I am, send me. Could you say that? Lord, here my, send me. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace moving in our midst. And we pray that as we continue to move forward in our relationship with you, that you would, we would all become like you. And as individuals, we would, people would see you in us. And as a church, people would know that you are with us. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful privilege to be called your people, where your presence dwells. Lord, thank you. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name we pray.